Amen. Well, we are through with the Thanksgiving season. I hope you all enjoyed your week of Thanksgiving, and I encourage you to uh, enact that heart of Thanksgiving, not just this week of Thanksgiving, the past week, but throughout uh, the rest of the year as well, throughout the rest of your life. And again, we all have reasons uh, to be thankful. Um, I am thankful yesterday my team won. Um, I couldn't say that last week. I shared with you guys last week my team lost by 49 points. But this week I'm thankful my team uh, won. Um, But at last we are here. We are finished with Thanksgiving. And so now it is officially appropriate uh, to talk about Christmas, and we get to decorate for Christmas. Here today, after service, we get to decorate the church for Christmas. I asked a couple weeks ago, how many of you guys have decorated for Christmas? I think Brenda and I were the only, uh, our household and Brenda's household, were the only two that decorated for Christmas thus far. Has any other households decorated for Christmas at this point in time? Yeah, a handful. Uh, Russ is not too early, man, too early. Um, uh, But yeah, it's that time. It's officially acceptable uh, now. Growing up, summer always used to be my favorite time of the year. Uh, Big reason I didn't have school. I hated school as a kid. I wish I could go back and appreciate it because I love learning now. I wish I could go back and appreciate learning as a kid. Um, We had all of our church camps in the summer. Those were like my favorite weeks of the year, seeing all my buddies at church camp. Um, The Nights, the days would last really long in Michigan in summer, and so to this day, I, I still really, really enjoy summer, um, but uh, I've got to say that now Christmas really is my favorite time of the year. You got the Christmas music, the Christmas movies, everybody's in a good mood, it seems like, for the most part, and uh, I appreciate the extra time uh, with my family, um, so I really enjoy and appreciate uh, the Christmas season. I I'm aware that the Christmas season doesn't bring everyone joy, as some people may have experienced trauma around uh, the time of Christmas. But when we focus on Christmas, we need to remember that Christmas is all about the birth of Christ. And we cannot take Christ out of this equation of Christmas. Many people try to take Christ out of Christmas, but many people as well, unintentionally, they take, they take Christ out of Christmas by focusing on all of the music and the movies and the gifts. And before we know it, we have completely forgotten the true reason for the season. And that's the last thing that I want to do. That's the last thing that I want as a church, is for us to get the true reason for the season of Christmas. And so to ensure that we keep Christ in Christmas, we're going to focus on the Advent season this year. We always do uh, the Advent candles, um, which I sincerely appreciate Jen and her devotions as she goes through these different Advent candles. As we were messaging earlier this week that uh, I was going to do a series on Advent, she was wondering, well, should we still do the devotions? And yes, absolutely. I love hearing uh, what Jen has to say and uh, two different perspectives. Um, You can hear what Jen has to say about hope today, and uh, you get to hear uh, what I prepared about hope um, and so we'll spend the next four weeks, uh, we'll get to hear a devotion and, and a sermon message um, about Advent. And so that's four weeks, including today, as we have four Sundays leading up until Christmas. 
So when we talk about Advent and the origin of Advent, some people trace the origins of Advent all the way back to the 4th or 5th century um, A.D., Many people uh, would kind of argue that uh, what we celebrate today as Advent originated from the Middle Ages uh, onward to the 1800s. And it was really started by the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church. And it's just something that's pretty widely accepted among Christian groups today in the 21st century. Century, And we all celebrate it in a very similar fashion. Most every church lights the candle of hope to start, and then we move on to love. Some talk about faith, and then joy and peace. So widely accepted, but started in the Catholic and uh, Lutheran churches, uh, um, actually. And Advent comes from uh, the Latin word arrival. And so it's all about what we're celebrating, we're remembering the arrival. And it's kind of twofold. It's got two purposes here in celebrating the arrival. We are celebrating the arrival of Christmas Day and the day that Jesus was born on this earth, the day that he arrived, that he was a newborn baby in the town of Bethlehem. But also as we celebrate Advent, it's uh, meant to focus and to celebrate the arrival, the future arrival of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so twofold there, and we're going to be talking about those two different purposes throughout this series and talking about the arrival of Christmas and the day that Jesus was born and that day of celebration and the day of uh, the future day of arrival of Jesus coming back to this earth. And so this first candle that uh, we lit uh, symbolizes hope, and it's called the prophet's candle. And in the Old Testament, there were a handful of different prophecies about the birth of the Messiah. And so this morning, we're going to cover three different prophecies in the Old Testament that predicted certain details about the birth of the Messiah. And these different passages in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was written anywhere from 400 to 1,500 years before Jesus was ever alive. And so I want you guys to remember that these different details that we read today, they were written hundreds of years before the Messiah was ever to be born in uh, the town of Bethlehem. Spoiler alert. Um, so God, he, he told them what to look for with the birth of the Messiah with these different prophecies. And the first prophecy that we'll take a look at this morning, they're all very short. Uh, the first prophecy uh, is found in the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 7, we'll be reading verses 12 and 13. This is known, some of you guys may be familiar with this passage, a very well-known passage. It's known as the Davidic covenant, uh, a promise or an agreement that God made with King David, the the greatest king that uh, the unified nation of Israel had. And so in the midst of this Davidic covenant, we're really taking these different passages out of context just for the uh, sake of time. But in the midst of uh, this covenant that God is making with King David, God tells David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, he says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. 
He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So here in the midst of this Davidic covenant promise that God made with King uh, David, that soon David would pass away, they actually use uh, the terminology of lying down. They often uh, talk about death as simply resting or lying down um, in the Bible as that's precisely what we are doing. We, we are resting in peace. And so God says that when your days are fulfilled and you lie down, you rest in peace with your fathers, you're, you're buried with uh, your uh, fathers, then he says, I'm going to raise up your offspring after you, shall come from your body, and I'll establish his kingdom. And your offspring is actually going to build a house for me. And if we continue this account in 2 Samuel, we see that David's first offspring, Solomon, actually built a house for God. Solomon is the one who built the temple of God. David, he had this desire to build the house of God, but David's hands were full of blood as David. He was a warrior at heart. He, he, he was a man who had great success on the battlefield uh, thanks to God as God was with him step by step. And so God didn't want David to build this house for him, but God wanted his son Solomon, his offspring Solomon, to build this house for God. And then we continue in verse 13, and God tells David that your offspring is going to build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, this is kind of confusing because in that first part, talking about building a house, here I, I believe that God is talking about Solomon. I think Solomon fulfilled this prophecy just uh, 20, 30, however many years uh, after this. So Solomon is the, the fulfillment of that first part of this prophecy, but I don't think Solomon established a kingdom that lasted forever. I mean, Israel was eventually conquered, uh, the ten northern tribes conquered by Assyria, the two southern tribes conquered by Babylon. So that was not a kingdom that lasted forever. It, it was a kingdom in the grand scheme of things that lasted uh, a very short amount of time, just a, a couple hundred of years. But here, one of the offspring of David is going to build a kingdom forever. And, and if we continue in this covenant, we see that it's going to be a kingdom, this throne, this house of the Lord is going to be established forever. And so as we read that, we can see plain as day that this is talking about the Messiah. This is talking about the future Christ, the anointed one of God. The anointed one of God is going to be born from the line of of David. That, that's, that's an important detail that we have to take note of. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that this Messiah, this chosen one of God, is going to be born um, from the seed of Eve, the first woman. We, we are all uh, a, an offspring of Adam and Eve, uh, we, we can assume. Uh, it talks about later on in uh, the time of Abraham that this Messiah was going to be the offspring of Abraham. And we see later at the end of Genesis that he's going to be the offspring of Judah. But the most specific detail that we have as far as the line of where this Messiah is going to come from is that he's going to come from the line of David. He's going to be an offspring of David, this Messiah. And so that's what we learn. Uh, and this was written about a thousand years before Jesus was ever born. We learned that the Messiah was going to be born from the line of David. 
And so ever since then, ever since uh, this writing that, that Samuel composed, or, or whomever composed uh, this writing, ever since then, these Jews have waited for a thousand years to, for someone finally from the line of David to establish God's kingdom forever. So that's the first prophecy about the birth of, of the future Christ, Messiah, is that he would be born from the line of David. He would be an offspring of David. The second prophecy that we'll take a look at this morning is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And all these three different prophecies that we're going to take a look at this morning, they're all pretty well uh, known. They're commonly known in Christian circles. So I imagine this is a verse that you've heard of, especially around the time of Christmas. But the, the scroll of Isaiah was written, to give you guys some sort of context, the scroll of Isaiah was written about 700 years before Jesus was born. And so in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it reads, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So now this is another uh, confusing passage. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is a bit confusing because Solomon fulfilled a portion of that covenant and then the future Messiah was to fulfill that portion of the Messiah. And this is a bit confusing because this was likely dual fulfilled as well. Many commentators think uh, that this was immediately fulfilled as they talk about uh, kind of the context. This is going to happen more uh, soon, uh, immediately. And so many commentators think that this was immediately fulfilled when a young woman in the royal family gave birth to a son, and she named his son Emmanuel. And many people think that as the Hebrew word uh, for virgin can also be translated as young woman. So, so it's very likely possible that a young woman from this royal family gave birth to a son named Emmanuel, and this was immediately um, fulfilled. But uh, like many prophecies in the Old Testament, kind of digging into deeper and in, in the details and more scholarly talk, a lot of them are dual fulfilled. They're, they are fulfilled by multiple different people. And we see that here, this Messiah, this person, a sign from God was going to be born of a virgin, and they're going to call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with, God is with us. And so that's the second sign, that's the second prophecy of the birth of this Messiah, that this Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. Now raise your hand if you were born of a virgin. If you raise your hand, you're a big fat liar. Uh, none of us are born of virgins. That's not a natural process there. But here this Messiah was going to be born of a virgin, and we shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So the Christ would be born of a virgin. The third prophecy that we'll take a look at this morning is found in the book of Micah, one of the 12 minor prophets. Micah chapter 5. And we're, we're going to uh, go back to each of these and kind of connect the dots here at the end. But Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we see maybe the most well-known prophecy about the birth of Jesus. And this was written around the same time uh, as uh, the prophet Isaiah. It was uh, written after Israel was conquered by Assyria. Judah was still struggling. Um, and so here in uh, this prophecy uh, by Micah, 
It reads, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So here we see in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that in this little town of Bethlehem, and they had to make this distinction, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, as, as there were two separate um, uh, towns of Bethlehem. And here in this little town of Bethlehem, there was going to be someone among the clans of Judah who would come forth and he would be a ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So the, the, this, this ruler who is coming from the line of Judah, who uh, would be a ruler in Israel, his coming forth is from old. In other words, people have been talking about him from the beginning of time. People have been talking about uh, the, the, this promised one that is to come. And so the, the little town of Bethlehem, it was a semi-popular spot in the old Testament. We see, if we read through the account of the Old Testament, we see that Rachel, the husband of Jacob, died on the wayside near the town of Bethlehem. We see that the story of Ruth, the love story of Ruth, that takes place in the town of Bethlehem. And arguably, most importantly, we see that King David actually grew up, was born in the town of Bethlehem, and was anointed as king of Israel in this town of Bethlehem. And that's very strange and unique because compared to the other cities and towns in Israel, Bethlehem really was not of much significance. It was a lot smaller and it had a lot less influence than a lot of these other cities. Jerusalem probably being uh, the one that most of us are most well familiar with. And so this little town, a lot uh, took place here in it. And we see that this Messiah, this future ruler, was going to be born in the little town of Bethlehem. That would be uh, similar to like a president of the United States being born in Springfield, Ohio, or even, even better yet, president of the United States being born in Northampton, Ohio. Hardly anybody lives in Northampton, Ohio. I can attest to that. Um, so it's just this little town of Bethlehem that the Savior, that this Messiah was going to be born in. So just from these three prophecies, just from these three prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, we read that the Messiah, he was going to be born from the line of David. We see that this Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. And we see that this Messiah was going to be born in the little town of Bethlehem. And these Jews spent hundreds of years waiting and hoping. They were hoping for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for, they were hoping for the chosen one of God who was to be born of a virgin, born from the line of David, and born in the town of Bethlehem. Waiting and hoping for hundreds of years. And then finally, one day comes. And finally, a man named Jesus, who was later from the town of Nazareth, known as Jesus of Nazareth, we see that Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, we see that he was from the line of David. He was the descendant of King David himself. We see that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we see that this man named Jesus was born 
of a virgin. Unheard of. He's born of a virgin. We see if we continue this account in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, we see this man named Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. And so finally, finally the Messiah has come, the man whom the Jews have been hoping for for hundreds and hundreds of years. Jesus was the fulfillment of these prophecies. Now, it's a shame that many of the Jews of the time of Jesus didn't believe that he really was the fulfillment, but the evidence is obvious. The evidence is clear just from the birth itself, that he was born of a virgin, that he was born in the town of Bethlehem, and he was born from the line of David. It was, he was the man who the Jews had been hoping for for hundreds and some even thousands of years for. And so as we prepare for Christmas, I'd encourage you guys to remember the hope. Remember the hope that the Jews had for hundreds and some a couple thousand years for the Messiah to finally come. And we'll talk about the, the, the story of the birth in more detail uh, later on. But they had this hope, and Jesus was the fulfillment of this hope. And at the same time that we remember this hope that the Jews held for hundreds of years, we have a very, very similar hope today. Because the Jews, they were hoping for the Messiah to come and to come soon. And we today, here in the year 2021, we are hoping and hoping that Jesus would come back soon. As Jesus, when he was born in the town of Bethlehem, he lived for about 30 years. Uh, he fulfilled his ministry. At the end of that ministry, he was crucified. God raised him from the grave. He spent 40 days preaching about the kingdom. Then at the end of that, he ascended into heaven. And since then, Jesus has not stepped foot here on earth. And ever since then, for about 2,000 years, people have been waiting and hoping for the coming, for the arrival of Jesus, just like the Jews of the Old Testament. Do you guys see the similarities? We, we, we are so similar in that regard, waiting and hoping for the return, for the coming, for the arrival of the Messiah, of the Christ. And when Christ comes back, when he comes back at the arrival of our Messiah, of our Christ, of our Savior, he is going to defeat sin. He's going to defeat the devil once and for all. And as we remember this Christmas season, we need to keep our hope in that. We need to keep our hope in the day and age in which Jesus is going to destroy the bad guys once and for all. As God has handed him the power and God has handed him all of authority in heaven and on earth. God to Jesus. God's the one who gave it to him. And then Jesus has that authority. He has that power to defeat sin and evil. And one day in age... Death is going to be eradicated, and sickness, and sorrow, and pain, and so much more. And everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. 
And so as we remember this Christmas season, as we have fun with the Christmas music, as we have fun watching Elf for the fifth time this Christmas season, and we have fun celebrating with our families and enjoying their company, we have to remember the hope. That is the true reason for the season. Because God is faithful. God told the Jews that, that this Messiah was coming, and guess what? He came. Well, now guess what? The, this Messiah ascended into heaven, but, but God says that he is coming back, and I trust his word. He is a faithful God who has never failed us before, and not for a second do I think he's going to fail us in not sending his son back. So remember the hope that we have as Christians, as Christ followers this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the hope that we have, the hope that one day your son is going to come back to this earth to establish your kingdom and your throne and your house forever. Father, I just pray that uh, as we enjoy this Christmas season, time with our families, time listening to the music and watching the movies. Father, I just pray that ultimately we remember the hope that is so dear to us. Now, that's the true joy that drives us through this season. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your son. And it's in his name that we pray.